In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, we're live at the Touchdown Club of Atlanta's year-end banquet. A lot of heavy hitters here, including yourself. Rush Probst just walked by. He was on Two-A-Days, the MTV show, while you and I were in high school, so he's a celebrity in his own right. But we've got an awesome episode here for you tonight. we got some sweet interviews. The one we're putting in tonight is with the head coach of the Florida Gators, Dan Mullen. And let me just set the stage. This is a big deal here. A lot of media members here. You and I, I guess, considered media members now. But he gave us 13 minutes of an interview. I don't think anybody else got that, so big props to him. We all know Aaron loves Coach Mullen, but I'm a big fan too now. We also got an interview with Trevor Lawrence, the new signee at Clemson. He is on campus at Clemson, number one overall recruit for the 2018 signing class, so that was great. And I thought we were going to get Justin Fields, Aaron. But my man Leland Barrow said, nope, that's a Kirby Smart rule brought over from the Nick Saban regime. No freshman allowed to talk to the media. I said, Leland, we're not media. We're former players, man. Come on, Leland. He said, no. So we don't have Justin Fields for you. I forgot he's in school. Yeah, he's in school. We saw him walking around. I tell you what, between him and and the Lawrence kid, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, there are some two big quarterbacks. And you're joking with me, and you're like, man, now you know what it feels like to be back in those combine days when all the NFL scouts are looking at you saying, hey, don't you wish you're 6'4", 6'5", because Lawrence is legit 6'4", 6'5", and then Fields, 6'2 and a half, he's thick, he has his, his little mohawk going on, so he looks like he's about 6'4", 6'5", but, I mean, two big, impressive-looking kids, and, and they look like they're ready to, to strap it on and play some SEC football and a- ACC football right now. Question. Absolutely no question. It's a, it's a tough week if you're a football fan. It's the week before Super Bowl week, so not much going on. I mean, I've been watching NFL Network, like, Senior Bowl practice stuff. I'm so bored. This is a terrible week to be a football fan, but it's great to be here at the Touchdown Club of Atlanta. You and I right now, Aaron, since it's the offseason, let's dig into some hot topics, I guess, some storylines. And the first one I want to mention to you, because we talked about it at length before Christmas, this early signing period that happened in December has really taken the luster out of that first Wednesday of February. Usually now, you'd be checking all the websites, looking at the team recruiting rankings, saying who's going to go where, who's going to commit. Now it's kind of like, eh, I mean, there's a couple out there, but I can tell you from a personal standpoint, I'm not that interested right now. Yeah, I always remember those days uh, being at Georgia, the butts mirror on that Wednesday, 
packed out. The indoor facility got tables, people eating, people the the, the big screens are on. You're, you're really excited now. I honestly, I don't think I've talked about recruiting for about two or three weeks, and I finally talked about it. I think this afternoon in the car with some buddies, we're driving back actually from Athens, uh, doing some deals out there, and. This is the first time I'm like, hey, do you know where we may get this five-star cornerback commit from South Florida? I'm like, recruiting's still going on? Aren't we filled up right now? It's just I think it's on the back of everyone's mind, and that's what's so tough. And we talked about with Coach Mullen a little bit, too. It's tough, especially for those new coaches jumping in. This really is their big signing moment because it's hard to jump in with an early signing period to get out there, get recruiting in a week and two weeks and kind of flip these guys' decisions. For these new coaches, I think, that are these big-time universities, I think this is a big day for them because these guys really are their guys. These are the guys they've had a month, month and a half to kind of go visit, go talk to, maybe flip from, say, a Mississippi State, maybe flip from all these other schools and say, hey, I'm at Florida now. Let's see if we can can, can make you a Gator. So it will be exciting to see where these last four and five stars go, but it, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really going to be watching too much. I can tell you right now, I will not be watching. I'm not that interested, just not that interested. A lot of these teams have their entire recruiting things or classes already signed, locked and loaded. There'll be a few to fall here and there. I guess we'll know if a couple four and five stars go to whichever schools. Okay, the next topic, and I have to talk about this to you because I tweeted it out this past week, and it seems like now we're going to have to talk about this every single time. Watching the NFL playoffs last week, okay, Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings go to Philadelphia have a bad first half. Case Keenum not looking like the guy who got the Vikings all the way to the NFC Championship. And you check on social media and all these armchair general managers saying, bench Keenum and put in Sam Bradford, a la Jalen Hurts being benched and Tua Tagovailoa getting put in. Thank you. I got that right. Thank you very much. During the National Championship game and leading Alabama to that victory, because of Nick Saban and Tua Tagovailoa, is that the talking point now? If you have a viable backup and your starter struggles in the first half, do you just yank them and put your backup in? Is that where we are in football today? No, because I think it's two completely things. You look at that that Alabama football team, and Jalen Hurts, everyone knew he can't throw the football. He just can't. It's just not his style of football play. He's a guy He's going to get you through the first read. If it's not there, he's going to take off and use his legs. And in the first half, he had a good job, I think, utilizing his legs. He was definitely inaccurate, made some bad decisions. But you want to talk about the NFL and these quarterbacks? They're professionals. Case Keenum is a professional. He, he's proven that he can throw the football. He's proven that he can win. Uh, it's not that the question marks weren't surrounding him heading into the game. I think the question marks were surrounding Jalen a little bit. Can he throw the ball against this defense? Can he move this Alabama offense up and down the football field? And, and it was evident, it was shown very early on that he just can't do it. He doesn't have the arm. He doesn't have the accuracy. He doesn't have the patience in the pocket. And, and going back to Case, Case is a good football player. He's a dang good football player. He's shown it all year long. He's shown it in years past that he's able to play. So I completely agree with the Minnesota Vikings. Keep him in there. I mean, they're going against one of the best defenses in all the NFL. I mean, that Eagles from the front four to the, the secondary, just studs all over the field. They're fast. It's in a very hostile environment. I tell you what, playing in Philadelphia is no fun. I mean, the streets were just going berserk after that game. So you can't blame them. It's just one of those days. You just didn't have a great day, but you, you can't bench your starting quarterback in the NFL at halftime because it's not something you do. This isn't college football. Yeah, you know, I picked the Saints and the Steelers to play in the uh, Super Bowl, so... I'm just a big dumb idiot, I guess, but I 
also picked at the point. I, I forget who you picked. Did you before after Wentz went down? Minnesota versus the Patriots, and I can tell you for sure, once the Saints were bounced, okay, after Minnesota won that crazy divisional round game, I won money because I said the Eagles are going to blow out the Vikings. I said blow them out, and if we had taped a punt and pass podcast the week before, I would have done it right here for the world to hear because I'm smart, Aaron. Just a little, just we're going to look ahead a little bit. Can Nick Foles... Can Nick Foles? I don't think he needs to play. A, I don't think he needs to play a game, a type of game that he played against Minnesota. I don't think he needs to. I think he needs to play a good game, maybe a very similar style of game to what they played against the Falcons. Just manage the football game, be very accurate. They love throwing that read option with the slant right behind the linebacker's ear. Where if that linebacker jumps up, he's banging the slant right behind his ear. They have three very good tight ends. Two of them are very athletic guys. They have a bunch of really talented receivers, two great running backs, probably one of the best offensive lines in all the NFL, and they have a great defense. I, if you want to look at the matchup and, and just take Tom Brady out of the equation, just take Tom Brady out, the Eagles are a better football team than the New England Patriots. Wow. Better defense, better offensive line, better skill position, guys. And especially if Gronk's out, you throw in the X factor of Tom Brady and you throw in the X factor of Bill Belichick and that completely changes it. But I think from top to bottom, the Eagles are a better roster than the New England Patriots. You know, I like that take. Um, and Gronk will play. Don't get me wrong. Gronk will play for sure. You mentioned two position groups that I think the Eagles do have a distinct advantage over the Patriots and it's where they can attack them on the offensive side of the ball, running backs and tight ends, dude, if you utilize Zach Ertz, and uh, who's the other athletic one? I'm, I'm blanking right now. Trey Burton from Florida. Yeah, I mean, you get those guys in mismatch situations against linebackers. I mean, that's a 15-yard reception that can turn into a 45, 50-yard gain, and then you get the Patriots on their heels. But I'm going to say it on the record right now, we may or may not do another podcast before Super Bowl. Oh, we won't because I'll be in Hawaii. Sorry about that. A little humble brag there. I'm not going against Tom Brady. Come on, man. I'm not going against Tom Brady. I, I am going to go against Tom Brady on this one. Just watched them last week versus Jacksonville. A uh, good Jacksonville defense, but I think Jacksonville's offense was is a suspect. I, I don't think Blake Bortles is the guy. I don't think he's very accurate, but I thought he had actually a, a pretty good day. You know, besides the fourth quarter, a pretty good day, and he missed some wide-open passes. He did. He missed some passes I don't think Nick Foles misses. I think the Patriots' defense is suspect, especially in the front seven. I think the Eagles, along with that offensive line, their run game is going to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage, be able to use a lot, utilize the, the the run game. And then Doug Peterson loves to play action, whether it's the RPO and shotgun, whether it's the half-naked half, fake, half rollout, throwing the tight ends one-on-one against linebackers and safeties. I think those guys offensively just will, will dominate that New England Patriots defense. I know they have two weeks, and you don't want to go against Bill Belichick in two weeks, but I just think from top to bottom, they're a better football team, and I also think they have a really good defense that can match up against them. Score prediction. Score prediction. Man, I, I don't. it's not going to be a ball. It's going to be another close game. I, I don't think the Patriots can blow them out. I think the Eagles may have the ability to do what they did to, to Minnesota. If it was up. New England's a five-point favorite. Wow. Yeah. I, I definitely have the, I have the Eagles winning. So I take the points. I have the Eagles win this game. 
I'm going to simplify it because that's what we do here on the Punt and Pass podcast. We simplify football games for you. You can go everywhere else and get all this technical jargon, try to get as much information as you can. This is what this game comes down to. It's Nick Foles versus Tom Brady, and I have the Patriots winning 31-14. to 14. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Patriots. All right, we're putting a, uh, an, 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 an Umi dinner on this one. Oh, an Umi dinner. Okay, Umi, if you're listening, sponsor whoever wins. And, and Aaron, you can you can get on that. So Umi, getting a free shout-out on the Punt and Pass podcast. No free advertising, but Umi is pretty good, and maybe we can pay this bet with the ladies at Umi. The only problem is your lady's pregnant, so she can't be in sushi. So maybe you guys will pick something else, or you'll wait for the baby to be born, then, then maybe we'll take you to Umi. That, uh, I like that chili queso, at chili, so we'll just go to Chili's. I'll keep it light on you. Okay, that's a terrible segue to what we're going to do now, but we have such an awesome interview with Coach Dan Mullen. That's right, the head coach of the Florida Gators gave us 13 minutes of his time here at the Touchdown Club of Atlanta. We all know Aaron's a huge fan, and after this interview, I became a huge fan as well, so stick around. Check out this interview with head coach of the Florida Gators football team, Dan Mullen, and hang around afterwards because I'm going to talk to Aaron about a few more things. All right, we're going to welcome in probably our biggest guest of the season, but now it's the offseason. It's head coach of the Florida Gators, Dan Mullen, and first off, we just have to say congratulations. How's everything going, and, and good to see you in Atlanta. It's going great. It's going great. I'm, I mean, I mean, you got Aaron here, so I, mean, I don't know how I'm the biggest guest, right? <laughs> I mean, he's just every all the time. He's like the big celebrity I've known for a long time, but... Uh, it's going great. I'm I'm excited to be back in Gainesville. Uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of success uh, as an offensive coordinator at the University of Florida, winning two national titles uh, in an exciting time. A lot of great players and a lot of great people and a lot of great memories. And now, uh, got to come back to try to recreate that type of program and uh, and put us back on the uh, on the national stage. Uh, talk about getting back to national stage and then you becoming the head coach and all these coaches that get the gig late December, especially with this early. Uh, commitment time and everyone's committed and everyone has their teams and you have that early signing day how do you you know kind of get an imprint and you know get your guys in there now that the majority of these guys have already committed like I said with that early signing day well one of the big things that you look at it is is you, you look and you trust your evaluation you go look at the guys that were committed you evaluate all of them you go out and trust what you're evaluating uh and for me honestly you're we're trying to go get the best players because I haven't you know, seen our guys out there and seen how they perform, see how they're going to fit within our offensive and defensive schemes. Uh, so a lot of times right now, you know, there, there's need and you can see need because there's just, there's, you know, hey, we're going to run a different offense or a different defense. And there's nobody at that position. They didn't even have that position before. Mm-hmm. So we got to go recruit somebody to go do this. But you're also just going to recruit guys that we think are really great SEC football players, high character, hardworking guys that want to develop and are going to be great SEC players and then get them into the program and build them up. And then we might have to, especially this year, you know, we're going to have to tweak some of the things we do offensively and defensively to fit the personnel we have. Speaking of uh, thin your personnel, the one thing with Florida – it's just been unbelievable is, is the fact that they haven't seemed to have a quarterback since you left, really. It's been crazy. Every year, great offense, great defense, but they don't have a quarterback. They don't have the guy to get the ball to the great skill that Florida always has. It's been kind of crazy, honestly. You would think that you'd be, people would be lining up to become the quarterback at the University of Florida. Where do you see that position, and how are you going to make an impact early on? Well, it is a challenge. I say, you, you kind of started that trend, didn't you? Right? Back in the old days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I, 
I, I mean, I know where you're from and uh, the, uh, where you grew up, but uh, no, it is. I, I think in some ways, uh, to me, uh, one, we, we got Felipe Franks coming back. He was only a redshirt freshman last year. Uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, I'm not going to jump to conclusions on what he was asked to do, what he handled, what he didn't do. We're going to give see what he can do. You know, and as a coach, uh, it's my job to put those guys, you know, really take the spring and evaluate what they can do. And then let's tweak the offense around their skill set and their ability to put them in a position to be successful. Uh, you know, if we can do that, uh, we had Emory Jones sign early with us uh, from here in Georgia. And, uh, you know, a, a talented guy, but, you know, he's going to be a true freshman coming in, a lot to learn. Um, and, and so what we'll do is just see what they do, put them in a position to be successful, and build around the skills of the quarterback. I think it's, in coaching, that's one of the biggest things you can do is build around the skill set of your quarterback. Yep. You know, people say, well, Coach, you, you want a running guy, don't you? want a guy that's a dual threat that can go run. I'll be honest, I could build an offense around Tom Brady. Yep. I really could. You know, I mean, I could yeah. find a way to, right, Matt Ryan here in Atlanta. I could find a way to build work. the offense around yeah. him. What you want to do, though, is make sure you're building around the skill set of the players and what they do, what they do well. Uh, and so we have to evaluate what they do well. I'm a big believer in that things happen for a reason. And for whatever reason, you know, Coach McElwain no longer at Florida. The writing was on the wall, and it seemed like to Aaron and I, you were – the best fit you get named the head coach of florida all the hoopla goes with it it's a little bit of a media circus when you sit down at your desk for the first time and it's just you and you see head coach dan mullen what's the first thing you do when it's all done what's the very first thing you do as the head coach at florida at your own desk you know what you put a big smile on your face um i'm gonna tell you the benefit is having been a head coach before um this time when i got named head coach i put my foot up i look back I got Coach Spurrier right upstairs. You know, I wear a visor because, I mean, I loved Coach Spurrier when I got into coaching. Um, You know, and just want to be, I mean, I loved the Gators when I was a young guy growing up. And, you know, sit there and say, holy cow, I'm here. I want to tell you, nine years ago when I got my first head coaching job, I sat down in the chair. You don't have a bleeper here. You're like, holy, uh, what do I do now? (laughs) Um, Having that experience, I think, through the years, uh, you know, you sit down and you say, okay, I, I know what we need to do. Let's not get panicked. It, you know, I'm not, we're not going to have everything done in a day or a week or, or a month, okay? Let's see where we're at. Make sure we implement the plan uh, and what we do and what our implement our program and what the standards and expectations, what the Gator standard is and what the standards these young guys on the team understand what my standards and expectations for them within our program is. Uh, make sure they understand that and get to work and we implement it. Don't have to just, well, it, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to something that's going to take us some time that we get everyone to buy in and get everybody going in the right direction. When Aaron and I were at Georgia, you know, the mantra was finish the drill. When I was in Pittsburgh with Coach Tom, when he always said the standard is the standard, Bruce Arians in Arizona was trust, loyalty, respect. What is the mantra or the motto that you will build the foundation of Florida football on? It all starts with a relentless effort because that's something to me that we, you can control. You know, you control the effort you give. So when I look at these young guys, I mean, we, get, we got young guys from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different everything. But when they show up at the University of Florida, one thing, you know, some guys are fast, some guys aren't, are faster than others, some guys are bigger than others, some guys are stronger than others. Everybody can control what type of effort they give. And so, you know, one of the things I want to see, if you see us play, anytime you turn on that TV, anything you see about Gator football, uh, you know, the first thing's going to pop in your head is I can't believe how I've never seen a team play this hard in my life. Look at how hard you come out to practice. 
Look at how hard this team practices. You come to watch us do conditioning. I've never seen a team run this hard. I've never seen a team lift this hard, play this hard, study this hard in grades because the effort is something that we can control. So you know what? I mean, there, there's going to be a, a, the mantra for us is just always every day give relentless effort. I know this is the SEC, and you've been a part of it for a long time, and every game seems every week there's a great rivalry, but what does it feel like to be back going to Jacksonville, playing the Dogs once again, being back in that environment, the 50-50 split? Because I don't think you guys had that Mississippi State where you're going to a neutral site. What is it going to be like, obviously, like I said, the, going through the season, lots of exciting games, but speak quickly on that Jacksonville one and getting back into that well, it's a special game. You know, it's one of the coolest things I've ever been involved in. As you know, I mean, uh, you come over the bridge into Jacksonville on the bus, and they're splitting traffic. And Well, one, it's the scary part because you're on, <laughs> like, I hope they keep this bus on the road, splitting yes. traffic for us to get to the stadium. But as soon as you get to the top of that bridge and you come down, and you just, it is spread out in front of you. You know, and then, I mean, as you're going from one tailgate where everyone's telling you you're number one with one finger, and then you go to the next tailgate, and they're telling you you're number one with a different finger. Uh, <laughs> right? And all the signs and the pageantry. You know, that's what makes college football so special. You know, the pageantry, the rivalries, the, the passion that people have for the game is what makes it so special. And that's one of the great games to be involved in. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, obviously, you know, with the team. They're uh, uh, defending champions, so, um, you know, with the SC. So, we'll, you know, it's going to be a game we're going to have our work cut out for us uh, this year going to do it but uh, and, and play that game. But uh, it's something I'm certainly going to look forward to. Coach, this is the punt and pass podcast. And the reason we make punt first is, one, because I'm in charge. Yeah. But, two, the punt is the most important play in football. It's the only play in football where it averages a 40-yard change right. of field position. I'm glad you're on the same page with me. Speaking of punting and kicking, Florida's got to replace Johnny Townsend and Andy Pinheiro, two talented guys. How do you go about that? I'm not very familiar with the roster right now. Do you have some guys in the fold? Are we recruiting? What, what are we doing right now? Well, it's going to be a wide-open competition right now for those guys. You know, um, you know I mean, the uh, uh, Johnny's brother's on the team right now. Tommy's going to um, – we, we just signed a, a kicker out of Alabama, one of the top place kickers in America, uh, Never McPherson. So we, we have some guys, but it's, it, to me it's, it's going to be a wide-open competition because guys haven't done it in a game. It's one thing – as you know, it's one thing going to the, the – where do you go to your camps? You guys go to the Las Vegas I, I, I guess, yeah. Well, yeah. Right? You know, I'm, I'm older than that, but yeah. But they go to all their showcases yeah. and they do this. It's a little bit different when you got 90,000 people watching sure. you. And uh, so what we want to do is we're going to try to put those guys in a lot of adverse situations, see how they handle it, and uh, and have the wide-open competition for those guys to get on. That, that That's awesome. And speaking of showcase, I'm going to take two guys away from your coaching career. I need the best football player that you got to coach, and the two I'm taking away – or Tim Tebow and Dak Prescott. Who's the best football player? Because I've been around a lot, and like a guy that comes to my mind is, you know, a Tyron Matthew. I mean, he I is a freak. Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer. I mean, those guys are they, what they are, but I, I want to hear yours. Uh, easiest question I've ever got. Who you got? Percy Harvin. Yeah. Percy Harvin. I mean, in now Alex. I mean, Alex is my man. I mean, I. Now, you didn't ask me who the best quarterback I ever no, coached no, no, no. was. That would have been a tougher question. Don't you guys that question next? <laughs> Because there are a lot of people that get upset about that, and of they course. get really upset with me when I talk about one over the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hands down, Percy Harvin's best football player I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, I, I really think, and uh, it's just special. You know, he he could he could score at any time. In in high school, when he touched the ball, he scored. College, when he touched the ball, he scored. I, I remember I, I'm watching the Super Bowl, and I'm like, if if they kick it to him, 
He hadn't played, and I don't think he's played in eight weeks. And I had a staff meeting. I sat in a staff meeting. Jeff Collins is our D coordinator, the head coach of Temple now. I said, Percy's going to play tonight. He's like, hey, he's not, they're not even sure he's going to play. I said, not only does he play, if he touches the ball, the first time he touches it, he scores. He's like, you're crazy. They kicked it to him. House call. He calls me. He's like, how do you know? I say he's the best football player I've ever seen. I mean, he is, he is phenomenal. Speaking of touching the ball and scoring, I'm going to hand it to Aaron here in a second. The one time I've touched the ball, not kicking, punting, or holding for a field goal, okay, 2011 versus Mississippi State, it was a botched field goal. I picked it up. I ran for minus four yards. Yep. So my only carry in college was against your Mississippi State Bulldogs, negative four yards. And believe me, it's been held against me in team meetings and the like. It is. So you are the you have the worst rushing average in the history of the school. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. At least you got to start somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Coach, last one from me. And I know a lot of people want to get an update Fellow Bulldog, Christian Robinson, he's with you at Mississippi State. He's followed you to the University of Florida now. Young guy moving up the ranks uh, with you, with Coach Grantham. Just a quick, just really quick, just his development as a coach you've seen over these past couple years. Well, you know what? The one thing I love, Christian came in, uh, been working with Coach Grantham for a while, played for him, coached for him. You know, Todd Todd came in and said, hey, I really want to hire this kid. He's a GA force. And really, last year, he was our linebacker coach. And so uh, one of the things you look for as a coach, these guys get out there on the field. You know, I say, hey, uh, don't, don't be waiting for me to tell you what to do. Go take the reins. Go, go show that you can be a coach. Work at it. Develop yourself. And you know what? We, he got put in a situation to be the linebackers coach last year for us at, at Mississippi State. Did an outstanding job. Um, you know, the guys played really well. Uh, took on that responsibility. And when we, when we got to Florida, I went, uh, you know, they added the 10th assistant coach. And I went to Todd and said, hey, we're going to put that guy on defense. And, you know, and, and I know you're the linebacker coach, but I want you to have a linebacker coach so you have the flexibility to do what you need to do with the defense as the coordinator. Uh, I said, pick any linebacker coach you want in America, and he went and picked Christian Robinson. That was his guy. That's awesome. Coach Mullen, thanks so much for your time. I know Aaron and I will be rooting for you, despite what the public may think. We'll be rooting for you, and we're big fans of yours, my man. Appreciate you very much. Have a good time in Atlanta. Thank you. All right, that was a fantastic interview with Coach Dan Mullen, the head coach of the Florida Gators. We asked him a lot of questions. Highly energetic guy. I can see, Aaron, why you would have been a Florida Gator. You've said this on the podcast weeks ago, months ago. You would have been a Florida Gator if Dan Mullen was still the offensive coordinator when you had decided to go to school. So I don't blame you. He is an infectious guy, and I have no doubt that he will get success in Gainesville. I think they've been missing that type of energy, the excitement, what he brings. I mean, you look at him, what he did at Mississippi State. You just you can't consistently win at a program like Mississippi State, and he did. He was consistently winning eight, nine, ten games a year, producing really good football players. Now he goes to a place like Florida where he's going to be able to recruit some of the best talent, not only in the state of Florida, but Florida's known. I mean, they can jump all over the place. They can take guys out of Georgia. They can go to New York, New Jersey, and take guys up there. I mean, they have the ability. He has the ability with his name recognition, what he's done in the past, where I see him flipping that program up pretty fast. Yeah. I, I see it happening maybe even this year with the amount of talent. And he said it. He said Felipe Franks is a good football player. And I watched Felipe last year uh, in practice and in games uh, live. The the kid has everything you want. Tall kid, athletic, strong arm. Sometimes you do have to go to coaching. So he's a he's a, a QB whisperer. You've seen it. Alex Smith, you know, guys like Dat Prescott, yeah. Tebow. Tebow. He has the ability to really get these guys going. Yeah, he could have had Cam Newton too. So... I mean, he does a phenomenal job in, in the one position 
that the Florida Gators have not had in the past five years as a quarterback. Yeah. They just have they've had a great defense, a great offensive skill guys. The offensive line has gotten better. Last year got better, but you need a quarterback to believe in. And if you have a quarterback that you can believe in as a team, you play that much better. So I think Dan's going to get that guy going, get that position a little bit better, and you're going to see that team turn around pretty fast. You have to think that situation's kind of similar. I mean, I know it's not exactly because Coach Rick developed such consistency at Georgia, but the cupboard is not bare at Florida. I mean, do not get it twisted. If he gets a quarterback, they will be a formidable team for sure. So big thanks again to Coach Millen for hanging out with us. All right, a couple more topics before we wrap up this episode of the podcast. I told you at the beginning of the show, it's a tough week to be a football fan. Not a lot going on. That's why we're here, like, fanboying over high schoolers. I mean, you were just goo-goo eyes over Trevor Lawrence. That dude has a great head of hair, and he is legitimately six foot six foot five. Um, but I was watching the Senior Bowl practices. I mean, talk about where I am. I'm sitting on my couch at 4 p.m. watching NFL Network Senior Bowl practices. I do what? You need a job. I do. I do. I think my wife would agree with you. But I'm watching these practices, and they're so locked in on these quarterbacks. Okay, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. And I'm sitting there going, dude, my guy Aaron Murray has been just 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 listen to what Aaron has to say about Josh Allen because you called pretty much every single game that you covered and we talked about on the podcast. You were spot on with this guy. So for me, and this is the question, what's the most important thing for these quarterbacks and really all players to do during the senior bowl practices when you get in front of these coaches? And, and, and you know how it is, man. You walk into these hotel rooms and these coaches are smiling. They're around their guys. If you get up close, they might smell like – Jack Daniels and Diet Cook. I mean, it is a time for these guys to relax, get to work, but there's a personable feel to it. What's a guy like Josh Allen got to do? Because you have not been a big fan. I'm not a big fan, and I think he's he's crossing off a lot of boxes when it comes to his personality, his work ethic, his size, his arm, the ability to launch a ball, you know, 100 yards. But once again, and the first thing that I saw, the articles I was reading the other day and, and watching the practice as well, He's overthrowing receivers on routes on air, hitches, slants, out routes. And I've been saying it all year. If you have a kid who's completing 56% of his passes in a lower league like the Mountain West, and and I know he lost his receivers, his offense line might not be the best, but still, if you're going to be an elite quarterback, you need to be hovering around that 63%. You just have to. In the NFL, you have to be 63 and above. I mean, he's 7% lower. You know, at 56, he's 7% at Wyoming. So I, I don't know. It's still baffling that everyone keeps talking about he's going to be the first pick in the draft. He's going to go to the Browns. And they keep saying, oh, he's not accurate. But these coaches, they love it. They love a challenge. They love a project. All these quarterback gurus in the NFL think that you just give me something and I'll make him better. But it's hard to teach a kid uh, to be accurate when he just isn't. On the opposite end of the spectrum, a guy that you and I both have a lot of respect for and think he will be successful at the next level is Baker Mayfield. And the same questions that kind of haunted Johnny Manziel for whatever reason, and I know you can make the comparisons if you're lazy to Baker and Johnny Manziel, but you know his character is under assault right now. And he, now he has an opportunity to get in front of these coaches and say, guys, I love the game of football. I mean, people were tweeting about why he wasn't at the weigh-ins to the Senior Bowl, and the guy had to tweet out and say, I'm sorry, my mom's in the hospital, right? Like, I'm going to go see my mom other than get in my underwear, walk up onto a stage and say Baker Mayfield weighs 222 pounds and he's six foot one and a half. Like, there are certain things that I think he will be able to show 
personnel people in the NFL, those are the people that matter, that he belongs, and that he is a good quarterback. Because I say it once, I'll say it again. You were at the Rose Bowl, and when he was carving up Georgia's defense, you sent me a text message, in which I cannot repeat on the podcast, but you love Baker Mayfield. He is a damn good quarterback. I just think he's a competitor, he's a gamer, and he's a winner. At the end of the day, you want a winner. I think John Dorsey, uh, GM for the Cleveland Browns, said it. You want a quarterback who is a winner. You want a guy who's proven that he can win at every level from Little League football to high school football to college football. And he's proven it, that he's one of the best players in college football, is the best college best player in college football this year. And I know people are going to be scared away. Oh, he's 6'1". He's a little undersized. He doesn't have the biggest hands in the world. But I think it's been proven. I think Case and Drew Brees helped it this year with the way they those guys played in the playoffs. And you guys got Russell Wilson. And there's plenty of examples of guys who are just competitive SOBs. Yep. They want to win. They're out there giving their all. I do think he needs to clean up his act a little bit on the field and off the field, which I think he will. I, I don't think he's – and I hate to bring Manziel into this. I, I don't think he's a Johnny football. No. I, don't, I don't think he wants that kind of attention where he's going to be out at all – you know, out, out all hours of the night. He's going to be posting obscene videos on his Twitter and Instagram. I, I don't think he's that type of kid. I think if you get him with the right people – I think he'll clean his act up. I think he's ready to uh, to lead a, uh, an organization. I really do. I think he's a great pick. But the, the guy who I'm a little bit disappointed who's not playing, he's in a boot right now, Mason Rudolph, oh, yeah. Oklahoma State. Uh, he can sling it. I know I know people are going to you know talk about he's been in that offensive system. Can, can that translate to the NFL? And I tell you what, when I watched him, some of the best footwork I've seen in college football, his ability to move around the pocket – keep a great base, and then throw the ball accurately down the football field. I think he's a guy that has a chance to definitely sneak in the first round. I was a little disappointed that he is injured right now. I think he would have gone out there to this senior bowl and proven why he may be, be- he may be the best quarterback in this, in this draft. Yeah, you know, this is just the beginning. The Senior Bowl is just the beginning of this evaluation process. Aaron, you went through it. I went through it at a much different level being a punter. But, you know, it's the end of January. This this stuff doesn't happen until the end of April, man. The draft is not until the end of April. So a lot for these guys to prove to coaching staffs, to personnel people, to show that they belong. Last thing before we wrap this up. We're at the Touchdown Club of Atlanta. People are already starting to talk about spring football. Give me one storyline that will happen in spring football. You can go anywhere. You can go low-hanging fruit and say, how does Georgia pick up where they left off? You can go low-hanging fruit like Tua versus Jalen Hurts. What do you think one storyline of spring football is? I think all these quarterback battles, whether it's you know SEC teams like Alabama and Georgia to ACC teams, there's so many different types of quarterbacks nowadays. You have your your pro style quarterbacks, and then you got these dual threat guys. These guys that you just you need to get them in the game because they can change it. They they can create plays with their legs. They can create plays with their arms. So I think looking at Georgia, looking at Alabama, looking at Clemson with with our pretty boy join join the pack there too. Now all these schools you want to recruit a top five quarterback year in and year out, but then how do you keep those guys happy? Because obviously everyone's heard the rumors. If if Tua didn't play in that national championship game, there's a chance that he's going to be be uh, you know transferring somewhere. I love what you just said there, and I just stole the mic from you. You said, "How do I keep those guys happy?" Jim Chaney, Georgia's offensive coordinator, had quote of the year. This was during the national championship week. Somebody asked him. If Jacob Eason stays and you have three five-star quarterbacks, how do you keep them happy? And Jim Chaney goes, keep them happy. It's their job to keep me happy. And I said, you, you tell him, Coach. No, it's it's their job to make sure he gets paid, you know. Exactly. That's their job to make sure they, he, they keep throwing the ball well. But you do. You have to 
that's what those whole recruiting process is. It's it's pampering to these kids, you know, to their needs. Yeah, Coach Charles was not pampering to us, and Coach Bubba was not pampering to us. You know, that, that, that wasn't happening back in the day, but that's what it is. These kids are a little softer nowadays. They want the attention on all the social media, but going back, these quarterback battles, I think this spring are going to be really interesting. I'm excited to hopefully get to some practices uh, for all these schools, watch the spring games, uh, and see how these, these coordinators can be creative with different styles of quarterbacks. My low-hanging fruit storyline of the spring will be there's going to be a lot of hype on Auburn. I think a lot of people are going to say Jared Stidham in his second year, Gus Malzahn retained, given that big extension, a lot coming back. I mean, obviously they lose uh, on Johnson to the NFL, but I think that's my low-hanging fruit storyline is people are going to say Auburn's really going to give Alabama a shot for the conference title, which obviously they did in 2017. But my out-there storyline, and this is going to get picked up somewhere, and I don't know which team it'll be. In the West, it'll be Texas A&M, and in the East, it's going to be Tennessee, okay, with new coaches, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Somebody's going to write about it, and then old Feinbaum's going to pick it up, and before the season starts, really during spring football, they're going to be talking about, hey, this is the dark horse, okay, Tennessee, okay, they're going to put it together and and make a run of the SEC's or Texas A&M. They can do it with Jimbo there. It's a quick fix. I think those are my out there, maybe not exactly conspiracy theory-like, but Texas A&M or Tennessee are going to have a lot of chatter. During this I, I, I think Texas A&M, I, I, I agree with you, Jimbo. I think they have a lot of talent there. Completely disagree with the Tennessee statement. Completely disagree. Uh, I just, I'm just not a big fan of Pruitt at the end of the day. I just, I, his reputation as a little bit of a hothead. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how he can kind of control that anger a little bit and utilize it and that fire and passion, but utilize it in the right way. You know, not just have outbursts at kids left and right or at, or at the rest of his coaching staff. I think another big storyline who I'm excited to see, and and you're going to say it's my man crush, but I'm really excited to see Coach Mullen and what he can do yeah. with this Florida football team. And like you said, they have a great football team. I think they're just missing a head coach and a quarterback, and hopefully he'll get that, that position, you know, right by next season. I think you're totally right, and uh, that's a good segue to wrap this thing up, Aaron. Big thanks to Coach Millen for jumping on with us and giving us 13 minutes of his time here. Busy night at the Touchdown Club of Atlanta. Anything on the way out, Big Dog? No, I just really excited. It doesn't matter. I got, I got the I got the points. I got the points. I'm just really excited when you get back from Hawaii. When you take me to Umi, I'm gonna get a really expensive bottle of wine. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some sushi. <laughs> A lot of sushi, some apps. Okay. I mean, it's going to be a big bill. Hefty Super Bowl bill. I like sake and Sapporo. So, you know, I'll be there with you. You can you can get me uh, buttered up, and then I'll just pick up the bill. I got it. Come on, man. You know me. All right. Hey, that's Aaron. I'm Drew. Thanks for tuning in with us. Big thanks to Coach Mullen. Check back uh, later on when we give you that Trevor Lawrence interview. Again, for Aaron, I'm Drew. This has been the Punt and Pass Podcast. See you.